So um, in 1999, the Women's World Cup was obviously at Pasadena that year. My mom had bought tickets early on, not knowing who may be in the finals. Um, turns out it was China versus USA. I think the tickets were like 14 bucks because she bought them so oh early. Gosh. They ended up being worth hundreds of dollars. You know, my dad's like, sell them. I'm like, don't you dare. We're going to that game. And so I remember sitting. Hello, everyone. That was the amazing Bev Yanez, assistant coach for NWSL's Racing Louisville, talking about one of the most inspiring moments in U.S. women's national team history, a moment that still gives me goosebumps nearly 25 years later. And I'm Julianne Dietz, and I want to welcome you to the She Dreams and Goals podcast, where soccer dreams come alive and goals are just the beginning. This podcast is all about empowering girls to use their passion for soccer as fuel for on-field success and a lifetime of wellness. In each episode, we'll talk to stars from the NWSL, health experts, and performance coaches to unlock their secrets to success and discover what it takes to be the healthiest soccer players and people we can be. In this episode, we're talking to Bev Yanez, a former NWSL Best 11 and two-time NWSL Shield winner with the OL Reign, who also played professionally abroad and now serves as an assistant coach with Racing Louisville. If you're a young girl soccer player, you don't want to miss this episode as Bev is so full of inspiration and insight from start to finish as she talks about everything from learning from failure to her favorite pump song. But you don't have to take my word for it. Elizabeth, what do you think? I really love meeting Bev, and I was super excited because she talked about a lot of things that I need to work on as a player, and I think she seems like the most patient and awesome coach ever. All right, so whether you still pack a soccer bag full of shin guards and a ball, or the weekly carpool full of fierce young female soccer players, I hope you'll join us each week to explore how we can achieve our dreams both on and off the field. Elizabeth, kick us off. Welcome to the She Dreams and Goals podcast. Bev, thank you so much for joining us today. I know you have a really busy schedule as we're recording during the middle of the season. You have some big games coming up, so let's get right to it. Um, you've done it all. You were an elite coll- collegiate student athlete, professional player in the U.S. and abroad, and a professional coach and youth coach. So is it safe to say you love soccer? Yes, yes. <laughs> and thank you so much for having me. I absolutely love it, and it's obviously a passion of mine in multiple aspects. So very excited to be here chatting with you today. So I listened to another podcast you did, and you had some great insights, and my daughter and I were kind of talking about it. And I was wondering if you could share some attributes when you look at youth players that you think would help them to be successful and also stay really healthy and well because that's a huge part of being a successful player. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, thinking back a lot, a lot of times I look back and go, man, what would I have told my younger self? You know, um, I'm sure I'll do it in the coaching world when I'm 10 years in and mm-hmm. go, what would I have told my younger coaching self? You yeah, know? definitely. Um, but there's a lot of times that I spend time reflecting, even being a coach now and, and seeing these players and seeing a lot of who they were as kids, right? They have loved the sport for so long which is why they play professionally Mm -hmm. but a lot of what they experienced the sport has made them who they are at a young age and so I think it's really important I think there's a few things I think it's having a growth mindset and I Mm -hmm. think within that that also contains 
being okay to make mistakes, being okay to fail. I think there's such a, um, you know, a, a ball around what failure is and not wanting it to occur. But I think it's a huge part of growing. Definitely. Um, so it's finding how you can learn from your mistakes, how you can learn from that quote unquote failure um, to make you who you are. And I think not fearing that, you know, there were so many times as a young girl, I remember being like, oh my gosh, we're playing SoCal Blues. We're playing surf and they have all these national team youth players. Like there's no way I'm ever going to match up against them. So it's reframing that mindset of I'm here for a reason I enjoy my team I can learn a lot today I can be impactful today and a little less stress on being perfect and a Mm -hmm. little more stress on I'm going to make mistakes today but can I be the player that makes the least I'm going to make mistakes today what can I learn from them but I'm also going to be impactful because my work ethic alone will be impactful and I think if you take that you see a little bit less of I'm not achieving things and you see more of I'm taking it step by step and I'm going to become someone someday that I'm going to be very proud of and so I think it's just taking step by step and not being too hard on yourselves. I mean, you have enough pressure at that age group in regards to being who you need to be at home, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Being the best daughter that you can be, the best sister, the best sibling, whatever it is. Then you have the pressure at school of making sure that you're getting good grades because you want to come home to mom and dad and, and say, you know, or your parents and say, I'm doing well at school. And then you have the pressure of sport. So I think it's just finding that balance of, you know, being able to find who you are because mm-hmm. you're still learning that, right? Yeah, I'm still learning that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and it's so a journey. you're finding all those pieces. Yeah. yeah. And you're enjoying the journey along the way and you're letting it evolve who you are and make you better each step of the way. Yeah, that's so true. I think it's really hard for, especially for girls, um, this kind of perfectionism or mm-hmm. this sense of like having to meet other people's expectations is really high mm-hmm. for young girls. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes it's kind of reinforced when they're little in school or in practice because they're good listeners mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they're helpers, right? Mm-hmm. And so it kind of reinforces that point that they need to be perfect. But the truth is the only way we really grow is by learning from our mistakes and something that we have um we have worked on as a family is when we watch a professional game we kind of look and look at the great things they do but also look at the mistakes that Mm -hmm. the professional players make Mm -hmm. because sometimes in your own game when you're playing Mm -hmm. you're like oh I can't believe I made that mistake but professional players also make mistakes Mm -hmm. you know and there's I I would love to know what the the data is on like how many mistakes you have to make before (laughs) you make like the great play right how many missed shots and then Mm -hmm. what's the one that scores but yeah I think that's really valuable and important I think Mm -hmm. young girls can really work on that understanding that they can really grow and develop and mistakes are all right and getting a sense for who you are absolutely no I completely agree and I think it's just understanding too that we all make them I think sometimes we have this you know vision that these top players or these top people they just don't make mistakes it's not true they've just learned to adapt and grow with they're okay with them and that's it that's all it is and I think if you could change that mindset I think it really helps you become who you want to be for the group and who you know you could become yeah definitely and I also you said something else on a podcast you said um, it's not always about you that sometimes you just have to focus on what you can control Mm -hmm. and I do remember as a youth player um, I wasn't always the best but I was in you know a a top group and I remember thinking like oh I you know maybe I need the coach to see me I need them to see me like that but that's not always something you can control and there are things that you can control can you talk about about that a little bit yeah no absolutely and I like to think and I like to to preach this in some senses that every player is unique who you are at a right back 
is going to be different than who the person starting or not starting is at right back. Who you are at center mid is going to be different from who the starting or the not starting player is at center mid. So I think it's really important that you learn to focus on who you are, what your uniqueness is in that position, and eliminate comparisons. Because I think that's one of the biggest pieces when I was younger was like, well, I can't cross like her. I can't, I can't serve a ball like her. Yeah, because I'm not her. Yeah. Well, who am I in this position that makes me different and honing in on my uniqueness and perfecting that in the sense so that a coach knows every time I play Bev, this is what I'm going to get from her. Mm-hmm. And I know this is what I'm going to get from her. And mine was work ethic. Mm, yeah, <laughs> It was work ethic. They knew I'd cover as much ground as I possibly could. They knew I would work for anybody around me. They knew. And that for me was something that I sold myself on early on is that if I could control what I can control, which fine example would be work ethic, there's going to be days that we all get, we all have them. Right. For <laughs> sure. The ball is going to be bouncing off my shin. Mm-hmm. I'm going to think, oh my gosh, what is going on? You know, there's days in this in this profession that you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so awesome, and then the next day you're like, why am I playing professional women's soccer? Mm-hmm. Right? The the roller coaster is so high and then so low and then so high. So the only way to manage that emotion and, and they experience it as youth players as well is to understand if you can control what you can control, you could still be effective. Yeah, it's not about being the best player on the pitch. It's about being the best teammate within your environment and naturally you will succeed and naturally you will grow and naturally your potential will shine through so I think if you can again shift that focus but also focus on what can I control today and it's always going to be work ethic you can always defend you might not have the final ball you might not have the shot you're like what am I doing I worked on this 50 times this week and I somehow send it over the crossbar Mm -hmm. that's okay you can defend and set someone else up and I think focusing on that really makes a true player in my opinion yeah, as a coach, I think when you when you watch players and you see players having bad days, it's probably the ones that keep going, right? That really yeah. stand out for you. Yeah, and absolutely. I think, you know, that's a important lesson when you're little because you're you're still working on your skills and you don't even know yourself quite yet, but mm-hmm. your work ethic, right? That's mm-hmm. something that, you know, any kid any age can kind of understand like mm-hmm. how hard am I working? Am I being a good teammate? And what does a good teammate look like? So, do you have any yeah. advice on like what what are some of the best teammates like that you had or moments when you were like a great teammate what are those kind of those characteristics or those attributes you look for yeah it's a great question I think it's the ability to put yourself in other people's shoes and it's an ability to find empathy Mm -hmm. so for example when it was my first year in the league I remember what it was like to feel so alone to not understand the environment for it to be such a shock to me the level to be such a big jump now it's not four years five years now it's eight years international U.S. women's national team how am I ever going to compete with these players right the speed of play the transition in the league was a complete shock to me Mm -hmm. right and then three four years I'm getting the hang of things and I'm seeing young kids come in and get drafted and I could see the look on their eyes of like I know I've been there you know, um, and I think it's that being a good teammate is being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes. You never know what somebody's going through on ev- any given day. You have no idea. So the ability to support them, to push them in a constructive way, but to also put yourself in their shoes and go, look, I remember what it was like. This is a shock. I get it. But if you can control what you can control and get the most out of this experience, I know there's three national team players sitting in front of you, but soak up every moment that you can from them. Ask them what's got them here. Ask them what's allowed them to be on the national team for this long. What's helped them with their success along the way. And you'll continue to navigate yourself because that's the other piece of it. When I first did the jump, I kept saying, well, I used to, I captained the team and played every minute. I'm going to zero minutes. 
right? And all of a sudden my confidence is just shot. So how do I get it back? And it was navigating that, well, I'm going to learn. Look who I'm surrounded by. Homare Sawa, Ali Long, like these players that I know have been around for so long and, have, and can teach me something. And once I shifted my focus, I allowed myself to develop. But if I kept focusing on minutes, because that's another thing, we define being good as who gets the most minutes. True. And that's the definition of it. Well, I only played 60 last week. Well, I only played this, you know, and, and especially as a young kid, right? You're still trying to navigate what is success in your mind. Yeah. And so I think if you're if you're learning and your environment's pushing you and you're surrounded by a supportive environment, you're also succeeding. Yeah. Right? And once you reach that potential and you, and you think, okay, what's next? Now you continue to decide, okay, what else can I work on? But I think that that piece for me is defining what's a good teammate, right? Understanding, hey, she doesn't need to be told today, stop kicking it out of bounds. She yeah. knows she's yeah. kicking it out of bounds. Yeah. You know, she That's needs to hear you say, hey, relax. Just get a quick touch on the ball. Find me. I'll give it back to you. You can face forward and go at him like you normally do. You have to recognize those things amongst your team. And it's difficult as a coach too, right? Now being in the realm that I'm in and helping oversee 26 players, it's constantly like, what does she need today? And me being mentally refreshed enough to understand she doesn't need me to lean into her today. She actually needs me to back off. Yeah. She needs me to lean into her today because I can see she's just she's she's she wants it. She wants to be a little pushed today. So I think as a teammate, if you can navigate those things as well and understand the players that you're working with, understand who they are and build those relationships with them, because at the end of the day, you're all trying to succeed. Yeah. As a group. Yeah, that's true. And I, I heard like really two things stood out to me in that. And it's one, it's like if you're successful, you're going to move up to a place where you're starting over. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. it's like if you're doing it right, you're going to start at zero again. Mm-hmm. And that's OK. And having mm-hmm. the confidence to know when you're at zero, there's room to go grow and you're, mm-hmm. you can move up again. And the other thing is just really being um, in tuned to your teammates, Mm -hmm. being an active listener, which means just listening to people and not trying to always give advice, but, Mm -hmm. you know, getting a sense for who they are and how they, how they're doing and is something different going on that day and listening to them and talk and trying to be encouraging. Mm -hmm. Because I think when your teammates are, are doing well, it improves, like it Mm -hmm. helps you to be your best. So And then I think that you said something about, um, you know, it's along the same lines, but look for people that can be your flashlight, Mm -hmm. right? So taking kind of the other side of it, we all need a support network. Mm -hmm. And what does that look like for a player? What could that look like for a youth player? Yeah, and it's interesting, right? And I say this quite often, and it's been something that I've like really reflected on as an adult now. You don't get to pick your family. You know, everyone's funny, like, oh, my cousin, oh, gosh, mm-hmm. don't mind them. That's just my cousin. You know, you get to pick your friends. Sure. And my advice to you would be to pick them wisely. If they are bringing you down, if you're not succeeding in school, if they are reflecting you in a bad light or a bad manner, they are not your friend. And I think the entire time since I was a young girl knew I wanted to become a professional soccer player, I took that so seriously. And, and obviously no one, you know, not everybody knows at age five, like this is something I want to do for the rest of my life. But I picked my friends from that moment on because I knew how important my circle was, was there's going to be some people that don't believe in me. There's going to be some people that believe in me. But if I can find that balance of support and challenge within my friendship circle, and then obviously surrounding myself with the family members that I knew would help support me in the in, in that same fashion, yeah. I think was the combination for me. And I think it's really important that young girls, young boys, just youth players, youth in general understand that you pick them and if they are not helping you that is not the definition go look at the definition of a friend in a dictionary they are there for you they understand you they help you 
They challenge you in a constructive way. And that's what I think a huge part of it is. Because when you're still navigating who you are, that network is huge. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, When I think back on my own playing career, I consider myself so lucky to have come from a family with deep soccer roots and so full of people who understood what I was going through. But probably even more than that, I felt so lucky to have been part of so many great teams where I was just able to make friends with other players, people I could really share my journey with. And as you said, not every teammate was part of my circle, but in those times, whenever I was fortunate enough to really find a true friend, I worked hard to keep and grow those relationships. And I'm really grateful that I did because some of them are still really among my best friends even today. Okay, so I want to be conscious of your time as I know you're prepping for two really important games. But I did have a few fun questions for you. Then I have uh, two youth players, including my daughter, Elizabeth, that would like to ask you a question. So first up, do you have a favorite hype song? Could be from your playing days or your coaching days. Oh my gosh, really throw me for a whirl here. (laughs) Um, yes. Um, I want to dance with somebody. Oh, that's a good one. Do you know that? Do you know that one, Elizabeth? I think she does. Yes. Nice. (laughs) Love that, Elizabeth. What's the name of your first soccer team? Do you remember? My first soccer team was the Green Machines. Okay. Yeah. Because we used to have fun names back Mm -hmm. in the day. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think Mm -hmm. I was on the Raccoons. Yep. There you go. You had the little airbrush number Mm -hmm. on the banner. (laughs) Yeah. Capri Suns and Oreos. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, Did you have a, do you have a first move that you perfected when you were a young player? Mm. no it was more just the idea of understanding how to break pressure off my first touch Mm. and I think that was something that was honed in and like taught very early of what my body shape looks like so it was more of that trying to make sure that I could get my body shape right to break pressure off my first touch I wasn't necessarily like the tricky creative like Mm -hmm. um, but I tried to be like football IQ wise just in the right spots at the right time and able to eliminate players off the first touch well it sounds like you had a really good coach helping you with that (laughs) (laughs) Um, did you have a lucky charm or pregame ritual Oh my gosh, I feel like I was like that all the way up until college. It was like lucky socks one time, and then it was the double socks the next time. It was certain shoelaces. Um, And it's so interesting now because, like, as a coach and towards the tail end of my career, I was like, it's literally none of that. Like, I've played bad with my great shoelaces, I've played wonderful with my lucky socks. Um, So I started to get away from that superstition, if you will, um, early. But I did. I had lucky sliders, I had them all. Yeah. Um, So it just rotated. That's like an age age (laughs) thing. Because I do remember, I don't know, maybe I was like 14. I was like, this is getting ridiculous. My new lucky charm is that I don't have any lucky charms. (laughs) Like, I had to like, give myself something. (laughs) because it was it was getting carried away like my bag was full of Uh like eight million things um did you have a favorite soccer player when you were growing up yeah I think it was as most young girls at at that time was me and yeah for sure Yeah. yeah definitely okay so as I mentioned we also had a question from a local youth player today's question is from a young girl named Zoe who plays for Mockingbird Valley Premier when did you know soccer was what you wanted to play And did you know soccer was what she wanted to play? Or did you see yourself playing a different sport? It's a good question. I feel like early on, the only reason why soccer became a huge thing for me was, A, my mom signed me up. And then when asked me after every season, like, do you want to try something different? I was like, no, I really like this. So the whole idea was like, if you enjoy it, just keep playing. Um, And she kept signing me up. 
So um, in 1999, the Women's World Cup was obviously at Pasadena that year. My mom had bought tickets early on, not knowing who may be in the finals. Um, turns out it was China versus USA. I think the tickets were like 14 bucks because she bought them so oh early. My gosh. They ended up being worth hundreds of dollars. You know, my dad's like, sell them. I'm like, don't you dare. We're going to that game. And so I remember sitting in the stands, 80,000 people just watching these women uh, perform at the highest level in the final um, of the 99 Women's World Cup. And so I remember feeling that day like that is what I want to do. And that's where it, beca- it became soccer specifically. That's where it was. There's nothing getting in my way. I'm going to do everything I can. Even if I fall short, I'm at least going to fall short knowing I gave everything I could to make this an option for me um, later on in my life. And so I think it, it just was always fun. The season was always running. Uh, there was always an opportunity to play. Mm-hmm. I've never played any other sport. Um, okay. There's oftentimes I look back and wish I did just to see, you know, is there some, but I was so passionate about it. And I think that's part of it is trying things to see what you really enjoy. Cause when you enjoy something, you're learning. It's just yeah. natural. Uh, but for me, it was just always soccer. I love so. it. I mean, how could you? I, I literally, 99, <laughs> yeah, I get chills, yeah. right? Yes, I get yes. chills. Epic. Yeah, it was epic. I remember watching a documentary recently, I think it was, um, probably for the second time about that team too. I think it was called 99ers, which was, it was so good. And for those of you girls listening, that group of players, it's definitely one to learn about and look up to because we owe so much of what we have today to their efforts. So Elizabeth, do you have any questions? No, you're listening? Okay, come on, come on over. <laughs> Why did you decide to be a coach, and did you like playing or coaching better? Ooh, Elizabeth, I love it. Um, I actually decided to be a coach when I was 24 years old, playing in Japan. And when I first got there, um, I was very upset in regards to what I felt like my technical and tactical understanding of the game was. I felt like I was very behind. Um, and I remember saying there must be people like me out there that have been challenged in this environment technically and feel like, what did I not get enough during my youth career? Did I, where did I, you know, my college career, where did it miss for me? Um, and that's where I started uh, getting my coaching license. I opened my own soccer coaching um, company and was coaching and playing at the same time um, for the next five, six years of my career. So I think it's two totally different passions. I didn't think I'd ever be able to do two things that I really love. Um, so I'm very grateful for that. When I retired, I'm like, oh my gosh, what's next? But I already had an idea of coaching and that would be a thing for me. So I think to be able to say I've done two things in my life that I love, um, it doesn't feel like I've ever worked a day in my life. Yeah, that sounds like a gift, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that'd be pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So just final question. I know that um, you're a mom of a little girl. Yes. Yes. Do you think she'll play soccer? What do you think? Yeah. So I have a two and a half year old and then I'm currently 17 weeks right now. So I, it, with another little girl. Congratulations. Um, so thank you. We are just ecstatic. My husband's like another girl. I'm like, you, he is such a girl dad. I could not oh, see yeah. it any other way. Um, but to be able to show her, um, she's traveled since last year when I was with Gotham um, and this year as well with the racing. Um, she comes on trips. So it's an early discussion about what trip she's coming on. But for her to experience this environment, to see women doing what they love, to see women in positions that are not often seen in, if you will, um, has been incredibly inspiring for me as a mother because I want her to know she can do anything. She can do anything that she wants. And to be able to bring her in my quote unquote work environment um, and to have her around such inspiring women. And we talk about it. You said it earlier, right? Visibility. When you see it, you dream it. Um, She's seeing people do things that they love and she's seeing women in positions that 
they should be in. Yeah, I love that. When you see it, you dream it. And that is really exactly what this podcast is about. So let's end on that. Um, thank you so much for all of your time and all of your insights. We really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you guys for having me. It was a ton of fun. And we'll see you guys soon. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Thank you all so much for listening. This conversation with Bev absolutely blew me away. And if you can believe it, this was a shortened version because just about everything she had to say, even in casual conversation, was a learning opportunity. So stay tuned as we will look to share some of her other insights over the next few weeks and months. And remember, if you like what you heard, please follow us, which you can do by visiting shedreamsandgoals.com. Follow us on Instagram at shedreamsandgoals. And most importantly, share our podcast with family, friends, and teammates. And until next time, keep playing and keep dreaming. This podcast was prepared by duly authorized members of She Dreams and Goals, LLC. She Dreams and Goals, LLC does not accept liability for any opinions or information of any kind expressed by its guests and hereby makes clear that those opinions do not represent the opinions and or recommendations of She Dreams and Goals, LLC or its members. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute any form of professional advice. Listeners of this podcast should conduct their own extensive research before making any decisions in connection with topics discussed in this podcast. She Dreams and Goals LLC is committed to providing content that is safe and appropriate for all ages. However, legal guardians are ultimately responsible for supervising access by any minor under their care to content produced by She Dreams and Goals LLC. She Dreams and Goals LLC does not make any warranty or representation as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. To the fullest extent permitted by law, She Dreams and Goals LLC shall not incur any liability in connection with this podcast. This podcast may not be copied, published, reproduced, or redistributed in whole or part without the written permission of a duly authorized member of She Dreams and Goals LLC. For further information, please visit www.shedreamsandgoals.com.